is porn as bad as people say it is? Is there anything good about it that can be redeemed? We discuss this and more with Kat Harris today. Now, gonna warn you, this one gets pretty explicit because, you know, we're talking about porn. So if you want to skip one, if you are one of those people who watches this with their families, definitely this might be one to skip. But if not, please join us on a very cool discussion on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for those who have love to have fun thinking deeply. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, friendly philosopher. And with me, as always, is my, uh, uh, what's, oh, I had one, I had one, um, dizzyingly dashing Nice, nice. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and, um, oh man, I'm trying to think one that has to do with today's topic, but I really don't have any good ones <laughs> that are like, uh, probably I'd want to say. Um, so I'll just say uh, uh, pure at heart. <laughs> Good, cool, yeah. alive, but also great. Not pure of heart! <laughs> um, and with us today is a very special returning guest. She is an author, speaker, and podcast host. And she is the, uh, who, who helps people have conversations about faith, sex, and relationships. Uh, she is the host of the Refined Woman podcast and founder of the Refined Woman publication. And she is the author of Sexless in the City. And please welcome returning guest, the cool, the courageous, the captivating, Kat Harris. Kat, welcome back to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. And I love the, it's alliteration, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a specialty here, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we we like to go for those. Unfortunately, K has fewer of those. Uh, I know, like koala, <laughs> kind is a good one. Kind, yeah. But, you know, it's Bondike, like, kind, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, so, but C, C works well. I found the C works well. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. thank you for, so much for uh, joining us again. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you guys. Um, I'm seeing some different lengths of hair. <laughs> yes, yep. It's called COVID yeah. hair. It's called uh, two yeah, years I'll... of not really having to see people. So yeah. I don't have to. It's cut like, it. <laughs> you've been going through something, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Really? Is this something been going on? Um, there, uh, have you been stressed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, okay. Well, so anyway, as you see, we have a lot of fun here. If you guys enjoy our conversation, what we talk about, how we talk about it, um, and want to invest more in the overthinkers, um, Nathan, where can they go to uh, find more of what we do and to find other people, more people like themselves? Well, first they can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send, send us all of their hate and love mail. Tell us how wrong or right we were and are. Uh, you can also go to our online Facebook group, which now has about 4,000 members all on their overthinking, sharing memes, getting discussions, and having fun thinking deeply. So we'd love to have you a part of our uh, private Facebook group, The Overthinkers. Join us. And I want to make a quick announcement. We mm. are doing a really fun live mm. event in on March 27th, right? 
Yes, March 27th, we're going to be watching the Oscars together. We're going to have a little red carpet, and we're going to be holding this live event at the Hepzibah House right here on the Upper West Side in New York City. We want you to be there to be arguing about movies, to be having fun, to dress up, to eat popcorn, um, and it's such a really cool space. We want to see you there. There's only about 50 spots, so please go ahead and check out the event, um, the, the event invitation, and you can find that on the Overthinkers private Facebook page, or we're going to have it on uh, the website. So we want to see you there. Uh, we always have fun at live events, so please check it out, and uh, I think that's it. Awesome. Very cool. So, everybody ready to get uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my secret, Kat. We are going to talk about porn today. So, yeah. Uh, porn is one of those subjects that nobody is comfortable talking about, but everybody is apparently doing. Uh, porn, according to a 2017 study, Pornhub had over almost 30 billion wow. visits in uh, 2017, which has increased to uh, 33 and 34 billion the next couple of years. It is a problem that everybody talks about and has been at the center of many different culture wars with you know, religious conservatives talking about how bad it is, many feminists talking about how bad it is, but whether it's uh, whether and in the source of considered many source of many evils, whether it's breakdown of marriage, uh, comparing oneself to uh, to bad values that are that are uh, per, that are perpetuated on the, on the websites, but but it has also been defended by many many different psychologists, many different outlets have defended have defended it and said it's not as bad as many of people of the center of the culture wars are saying. Whether it's psychology today. It, in uh, in uh, in uh, studies and articles, is porn bad for relationships? Or the New York Times article, where I go pull up the title, which is what Americans don't understand about the porn industry. So various there's various debates about the whether porn really is damaging to mental health, or whether or, I'm damaging to relationships, or whether various studies say that is correlation is not equal causation is correct. So anyway. What I wanted to talk about today is, Kat, in your understanding and you're going through life both as Christian and somebody who's been going, looking into the various, you know, uh, the various scares that uh, Christians have said about things that might be bad, might not be bad, and then examining these things yourself, what have you found have been uh, your, your understanding of porn and the porn industry and interacting yeah. with porn that you've seen? Yeah. Okay. Can I go off on a few different Please. tangents on that? As because, okay. <laughs> because I, I have probably like the expected tangent, which I am prepared for. And then there's something I've been thinking about recently, which might make some people feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to go with that first. And then I'm going to go with like what my research has told me for the last seven years. Nice. That cool? Let's do it. Wait, we're ready. So, okay. Years ago in New York, I was in uh, a fellowship by put on by a very well-known church here in New York City. It was a, it's like a nine month long discipleship program, fellowship program for Christians in the city who want to look at their vocation, their job, their career with a redemptive worldview with okay with the idea that god wants to make all things new like jesus came to make all things new so 
what does that mean for the finance industry? What does that mean for JP Morgan? What does that mean for fashion industry, film industry, all the things. And I'll never forget one night, the lead pastor was like, I'm going to say something that's going to make a lot of you guys uncomfortable. Mm. And he goes, what does it mean if Jesus wants to redeem all things? And we're like, you know, Jesus wants to redeem all things. And he's like, okay, what does that mean for the porn industry? Mm-hmm. Is the, and everyone, you know, freaks out instantly. Squirming and comfortability for sure. He was like, he was like, no, really. Like if we really think God wants to redeem all things, is there ever a lens with which something like pornography can be viewed from a redemptive space? Mm. And he, you know, I think saving his own ass is like, you know, I'm not saying porn is good. Like, no, (laughs) can we, he basically was like, let's not demonize the question. If we're going to say God wants to redeem all things, like, what does this actually mean? And so he kind of goes on to say, you know, a, a lot of Christians like save sex until marriage, right? Or some people do, right? And then you have like basically the blind leading the blind. And he's like, is it possible that there could be some sort of like video or instruction that's like, you know, people are paid fairly. There's no, um, you know, there's like nothing unethical happening, but like for couples who like really want to have a good sex life, but don't know how to do that or don't know what different positions are. He's like, is there a space to even think about the possibility that something like this could be redemptive? And he was just doing it or saying this for basically argument's sake. He was like, I'm not here to like argue that porn is good. Like, like Hmm. any good pastor. A thinking exercise. Sure. A thinking exercise. And I remember leaving that and I was like, I don't think that there's any like redemptive space for this. And then (laughs) years later, last year, a TV show called Sex Life came out Hmm. on Netflix. It took, you know, Netflix world by storm. It was in the top 10 for like a month or so or however long. And I watched it and it's like probably the closest to porn I've ever watched. And like I watched the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. And so maybe listeners are like, well, you're already a heathen and heretic and you're going to hell. <laughs> they headed and, straight to the other place. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and, and a lot of people would say like, like my friends who have watched porn are like, yeah, basically that's like pretty much soft porn. Mm, sure. So I was watching Sex Life and I'm like on the phone with my friend and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's a position. I was like, I was literally, I'm a single person. I'm 36. I've never had sex because up until this point, I've been waiting until marriage for that. And there is a part of me that remembered that conversation from years ago. And I'm, I'm the type of person where I can watch that. And it doesn't cause me to go into like fantasy land or it's it's not like, Oh, I want to like, this is really turning me on. I was just like, honestly felt like I was watching a science experiment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, interesting. I actually feel like I'm learning something. And so I say that and would love to know what you guys think about it because I have a lot of other thoughts on the other side of the conversation, but I think the thing that I'm really curious about in my life right now is like how we demonize questions. We demonize people for even saying, well, hold on. Like we've been taught our whole lives that this is bad and demonic and gross. And like, it's so bad. And for so many reasons, I can give you a hundred reasons right now why I think pornography is like not a win ever. (laughs) And yet 
is there any sort of like learning that we can have from this? Um, cause I feel like I watched that show sex life and I'm like, yeah, I know it's TV. And like, cause like there was like a sex scene in the pool. And so I'm like talking to my friends. I'm like, can you really have sex in the pool? Like, is that like, do you get bacteria up there? Like what happens? And so it actually created for really healthy and good conversations amidst my friend group about mm -hmm. what is healthy sex and what are actual positions that work and don't work. So I'll kind of like throw that out there and see what you guys think about that before I go into my other thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's, it's always good to uh, throw out the most, um, uh, the best TV, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> to get the conversation started. Yeah. Well, I want to jump off on that and say a little bit on, on two sides real quick. One mm -hmm. statement that I feel like, you know, you, you mentioned growing up as a Christian and we have these preconceived notions, right? right. We, we grew mm -hmm. up in evangelical church or we grew up in youth groups and we were, we all had the talk, right? right. Uh, mm -hmm. The youth pastor awkwardly telling a bunch of teenagers, talking to them about porn, which is a super uncomfortable topic, especially as a youth pastor to teenagers. Yeah. And, you know, there's a culture around, there's this common understanding. Uh, and it was kind of a consensus too. This is what it is. And this is how we should think about it. And to be honest, I think that I'm, I'm going to say this first. I think that the church has really, really messed up how we talk about pornography. Mm. Um, and I think it roots because we don't have a good understanding of sexuality. And so our understanding of pornography, videoing or, or taking pictures of sexuality would be would the the harm comes because we don't actually have a good con. Uh, yeah, conceptualization of what sexuality is meant for. Is it good? And we've, you know, we, we're still, how do I say this? We're still affected a lot by the moralistic teachings of yesteryear that is mm -hmm. basically sex is bad. And sex, mm -hmm. is, sex is something that we, you know, kind of people begrudgingly say, oh, okay, it's, it's fine in marriage, but even then you shouldn't enjoy it too much. Um, mm -hmm. And so we have all these uh, messages and narratives that have worked their way into the church that are moralistic, that, that have really caused even the cool modern Christians to talk about it in really, I think, either negative or incomplete or untruthful ways, a mm -hmm. down a whole, I mean, and that has affected how we talk about and look at porn. On the mm -hmm. other hand, I think that modern culture, and you know, it's hard to lump all of modern culture into one place because there's a lot of opinions out there, but I'd say that the pervasive narratives and way we talk about porn, I think is also, Incorrect, because I think, again, it roots from the same place that is uninformed about the original intent and design, beautiful design for sexuality. And so I feel like both of these destructive messages about sexuality that result in how we think and talk about porn are both, both the Christian and the secular world, are rooted in uh, fundamentally misunderstanding the, the, the definition, the intent, and the design of sexuality. And so I'm going to go ahead and say Christians have messed this up as bad as we accuse the world of talking about porn. So it's interesting you bring up, can pornography be um, redeemed? And that's a great question. And I think what is pornography really? Let's talk about the definition a little bit is it's, it's the depiction of explicit acts, right? It's the, it's the depiction of sex. So really the question is, can sexuality be redeemed? Uh, can sexuality, what are the ways that sexuality is supposed to look, as, that is supposed to be used? Because pornography is using sexuality for something. So we have to ask ourselves, what is sexuality meant by God? We believe in God. We believe he designed things with, with intent. Like you said, he wants to redeem things. What was sexuality intended to do? 
And I think that's where I kind of start with this question because it's it's easy to go off in the other place where porn is bad or porn is good, but at the heart of it is sexuality, right? What is sexuality ultimately meant to um, be? And you know, mm-hmm. but we'll get more into the definition of that. But I will start out with saying that I think both culture and the church have gotten this wrong. And it wasn't a total answer to your question, but I, I, those are a few things I do want to establish, sure. I guess, before we jump into the answer to the question, can pornography be redeemed? Mm-hmm. Is it good or is it bad? So I think it's interesting. You bring up some interesting points about like what, what can be redeemed. I think that, you know, so this kind of gets into uh, Aristotle's theory that ethics is sort of a golden mean. And he says mm-hmm. that like, you know, there's, um, Cur- you know, like it was like the the, um, the virtue is courage, and that's the middle point between uh, cowardice and foolhardiness. And so, mm-hmm. most virtues are sort of some moderate version of two extremes. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. But he said that there is there are some things which are 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 just bad. They're not extremes of something. So, like his mm-hmm. adultery is 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 not you know is a, is is a bad just a bad thing. And so there's an mm-hmm. idea sort of in ethics that there are certain things that are that are 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 bad and there are certain things that are 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 just bad extremes of something and so the question mm-hmm. and 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 uh, uh, um, augustine sort of had a, a sort of thing like that like there's nothing that's bad there's things that are disordered loves it's like you can love yeah. certain things there's there's because there, that would mean that god created something bad it's like no there's no bad things there are things that we are loving more than other things and loving too much or um, perverted or perverted and loving in a bad way it's you know, and mm-hmm. uh, so I think that you ask, so is is porn, you ask the question about porn, you kind of have to define porn. Is porn at a definitional level something that, you know, we define porn as something that, you know, if you if you took out everything bad about it, could it be, um, uh, could it be, would it still be porn? Or would it be something mm-hmm. we don't call porn? I think it's sort of the question when you're asking, can it be redeemed? Because, you know, there's there are different elements that like there's porn being, you know, uh, simulated sex acts for other people's consumption. It's like, well, the question is like, well, are sex acts supposed to be consumed by other people? Is that a problem? Mm. The question Mm. of actors who are, you know, for many Christians, one of the problems is that you have, you know, actors who are um, supposed to be repeatedly having sex with strangers. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for Christians, often at the time, this problem. We also have a lot of research that that's difficult. That that's that that's bad for people to have you know repeated promiscuous sex with multiple people. So it's like, could you have porn without that? Uh, that harm happening to a person? Um, it doesn't seem like you could, unless you just had a married couple that this was what they you know that this is what they did and they did it for others' consumption. And even then, and this is so. This is one of those those things about porn, which is difficult, is because. But I will say that I will say one of the things that's. The reason I think this question is good that your question is bringing up is that even if we come to the conclusion that porn is intrinsically bad, oftentimes this sort of gets to the question, we don't know the real reasons why to say that, answer that question, because we don't actually have, um, we don't actually ask the question enough to have a good answer to what is it about it that is intrinsically bad that you couldn't remove something, uh, that this is what you would have to remove from it and it would no longer be porn. Because like, okay. I'll, I'll just sort of build on this aspect. One of the difficult things about researching this is that when you look at studies for the, you know, is porn bad for you? Like, you know, um, BBC Future did, you know, the, the research on, did a, an article, which I encourage you to look at about the research on, on this. What I find is that a lot of the studies say, oh, does, 
porn caused people to become more violent. It's like, mm. well, one study that says yes, this is another study that says no. It says, oh, mm. porn caused your, your, um, your pleasure center, the dopamine, to become overexerted so that, um, so that you can't feel pleasure. And it was like, well, there does seem to be that porn pe- people who, who have porn do have smaller dopamine centers, but we don't know if that's because of porn or if they're doing porn because mm. they have smaller dopamine centers. So it's hard to find conclusive studies. So it's hard to find conclusive this. studies on this. You know, mm-hmm. I come down, so this is where I want you, I would love to hear your feedback, is that a lot of the things that seem to be that poor and problematic are very anecdotal, which is that most of the time that I see people in their real lives dealing with porn, it almost never seems like it's been better for them. You know, and mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. people I talk to who, you know, it, it's never seen, it's either been neutral or it's been bad. Detrimental. It, it, almost never seen or experienced myself an interaction with porn that has made lives better. Now, there are some people who say it has made it better because it's made me more open to expressing to my partner other ideas um, Mm -hmm. about what sexuality could look like. That's the only place I've seen people say that might be better. And it feels like you could have other ways to be more open about it without resorting to porn. But so that's that's, that's where we're, we're kind of, I come from on that, but I'd be interested in seeing both you and Nathan, like, you know, like, as you talked about research on it that you've done, um, where, where, where you start to come out on, on that question. Well, and I want to pose a question to you in response to your initial, can porn be redeemed? Is there, like, could porn be, have a good use? I don't want to break that off as a Christian, be like, no, how dare you? You know, cause that's yeah. not engaging with the question that I think is a fair question. Um, my, the one thing that I find in this conversation that that I think that secular culture has done better than Christians is consider the actual, uh, the people who are actually creating the porn. Very, the only message I ever heard growing up was, you shouldn't look at porn because it will do something to you because you will lust, you, it'll affect your intimate life, it'll affect your mm-hmm. relationship. And I guess, you know, maybe this comes from being an actor because I know actors, I've known people who, who've done porn. Um, I've known, you know, uh, specific mostly women who have been pressured into situations on set just normal movies i'm not even talking about pornography and totally regret the things they did and they felt pressured into and those kind of things so my first concern and no offense to anyone out there is not with you and how porn affects you my first concern is with the people who are involved in making it and most of the studies that i have seen say that it really is a de- has a detrimental effect, and that that could be due to um, the culture that is creating it. Um, but from my my worry and concern, and how I've noticed that Christians don't talk about it well, is it's all about the viewer, as opposed to what about the people actually in it creating. Because even when you were talking about could it be redeemed, it was about you you found something educational. But the mm-hmm. but the question I think to ask was what about the people who were making the educational totally. content. You know, um, what what about them? So when you think about the porn thing, let's talk about that side for a second. Forget us, forget the viewer, right? We we have responsibility to ourselves. What about Mm -hmm. the people who are making it? What what do you, where do you think they come from? Okay. Again, I'm not, so I'm going to go on both sides of the question just for questions, argument sakes. So I've been a photographer for 15 years Mm. and one part of what, some of what I shoot is boudoir. So the sexy shoots for a lot of women who are in the stage of like, I'm getting married or mm. Valentine's Day is coming up. I want to take pictures and gift my partner or, you know what? I just want to do this for myself mm. to feel like 
embodied or I've been on like a health journey and I really want to commemorate and like, or I get a lot of clients who like grew up in purity culture who are like, I was taught mm-hmm. my body was bad and my sexuality was gross and bad and simple and irredeemable. And like, now I'm like realizing God also created my body and my sexuality. And so I want to celebrate that. And like, these pictures are for me. They're for my partner. They're like for no one else. And so like, for me, I consider that a holy space mm. of like getting to, first of all, hold space for women to take pictures of that are super vulnerable, mm-hmm. very vulnerable. And I've also done like some sexy couple photos for, you know, it's like, we've been married for 10 years and we really love each other. And like, we like want to celebrate our love and Absolutely. they're not what a lot of people would think are like pornographic quote unquote, but like having those experiences, I do see how, like, I feel like as the photographer and creative director, like so much of what I get to do is like, I get to set the atmosphere. I get to hold the space. I get to ask questions like, why does this matter to you? Or like, what is important to you? Or like, what do you want to express through these images? Like, who are these images for, you know, are you wanting to like post them all over the internet to strangers like that's your prerogative but like really inviting people into like the why behind like these steamy photo sessions and every single time I've done it no matter what and this maybe is less about my photography and more just about the experience like women cry and Mm. men cry they're like oh my gosh like I didn't know that like I could feel this way in my body I didn't know that like this could be like such a powerful experience because I've just been taught this is all bad all the time. And so for me, kind of back to the question, like, is there anything irredeemable here? Like I do see like spaces where like, even as like, I'm the one, I'm the team putting on the shoot, you know, I have hair and makeup. I'm I'm helping with the styling and all that. And so I'm like, there has, I would think there has to be space for it to like, be redemptive in that way even just seeing what happens when a couple what I'll have my couples do is like just do eye contact with each other for like three minutes and they're like we've never looked at each other the song in our whole lot and our like whole relationship you know um so I feel like I'm curious about that because I'm like yeah I'm not like shooting porn like no but like I'm shooting sexy images with like men and women like partially clothed so you know all that what you want you know i'm not i don't even broadcast on the internet that i do it it's just like one of the things i offer my clients ask me um so there's that um on the other side of that if we're like looking at you know primarily and and for me this is like when we say when i say like i am not pro porn it's because i think of oh my gosh like what does porn promote well, first of all, there's so many things that are harmful. A lot of more than 50% of women and men who are in the porn industry are being trafficked. So yeah. it's just like, you're like, I don't know if that diamond ring I bought was really clean or was it a blood diamond? Like it's actually really, really difficult to acquire and watch and intake quote unquote, ethical porn. Cause some people will be like, well, I watch ethical porn and there is that out there where it's like, people are getting paid 
fair wages and you know like everyone there is having consent and all of that stuff but that's like the exception to the rule it's like the girl who thinks that the player is going to change for her yeah. <laughs> you know, oh he's going to change for me right. so i feel like there's so much pain and trauma within the industry and to your point so many women get backed into a corner so to speak in their careers and it's like if you don't do this then you won't get the the next job or if you're difficult to work with i mean i've worked with a ton of agencies with actors actresses and models and like i know how it goes if you're difficult on set guess what you're not going to be booked on more stuff and so there's i know we have the whole me too campaign but we're we're like a few years into like centuries of like patriarchy and like the weaponization of the female body and the hypersexualization of the female body that like we haven't come super far. And so my primary concern is like the people that are part of this industry. And I know that there are people who are like, I love this. I'm choosing this. And I do think that's the exception to the rule. I think that primarily like there is a lot of there's what's happening is a flattening of the God image in people. Mm, And then what also a couple other things, if I can be so bold to continue is like pornography revolves 99.9% of the time around the male orgasm. Mm, Yep. It's, it's, it's not, you know, you don't like pump pump and then a girl comes like, sorry to be so crass, but like porn teaches porn is the number one way that young people are learning about sex, which is in Peggy Ornstein's book, Girls and Sex and Boys and Sex. School's not talking about sex. Church isn't talking about sex. Parents aren't talking about sex. So the number one way young people are learning about sex Mm -hmm. and sexual encounters is through pornography. So that you get 80% of women who never climax internally in sex. And a huge reason why I believe is because we have a culture that's entirely addicted to pornography, men and women who are only taught that like the entire point of sex is not intimacy. It's not connection. It's Mm -hmm. his pleasure. And you talk about like violence and pornography as well. Like it's there, you know, kind of what my understanding of it to your point about, you know, the dopamine reward centers is when you get a hit of pornography, it sets off like your, your, your dopamine, your oxytocin is released in like a mega surge, which is kind of similar to the high you get from doing crack or cocaine the first time. And so you get this insane high. Well, any addict will tell you that you're forever chasing your initial high. Yeah. So people don't wake up and for the first time they watch porn watch child pornography or something like really, you know, um, what's the word, um, out of left field or something. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it usually starts with like maybe Maxim or maybe it starts with watching the 50 shades of gray. I don't know, but like it's it's, constantly chasing that high. And so the more and more you're chasing the high, that's when like violence comes in or, and, Mm -hmm. and like, that is like, unhealthy fetishes or just fetishes where people are being dehumanized or hurt. And, and so I think to me, that's a huge problem is when we say like, why is porn bad? Let's think about the why. And for me, it comes down to, we are flattening the God image in people. And Mm, I, I am making me the center of my pleasure universe. When I believe that, like, if we're talking about what is, you know, viewing the world in a redemptive worldview, I think redemption is redemption to self God and others. 
And if my life and even just my sexual pleasure only ends on me all the time, then like I've created a very small and in confined world where I'm the king and everyone else around me is a paper doll. That's a, that's a really good point. And I, I think that's a really good culmination of a lot of these thoughts is porn, no matter how ethically or unethically it's made, still is a product that we, that the viewer is consuming, yeah. right? And so at the end of the day, when we view porn, when we are, are engaging in it, it's something we are doing for ourselves. Now, yeah. obviously doing things for ourselves isn't necessarily wrong, but then I think we get to this question of what was sex created for? And I'm not going to, what I want to avoid here is the moralistic, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. I want to look at what sex in the positive was actually created for, how it was meant to be used. Because when we use things the way they were meant to be used, we're going to find beauty. They are going to find goodness. We're going to find wholeness. And um, and so it's interesting to think about, okay, so let's look at what, what, what sex was originally designed for. And from what I can tell, both scripturally and just logically, and just what I see in my own life and through studies and in and, and, and the science and the articles I've read, is sex most healthily and most often when it is, uh, has positive outcomes is used to, I mean, one, create um, life. Great. That's awesome. But aside from that, to bond emotionally connected, committed people physically in this beautiful, intimate moment that only they share. That is something that you don't share with someone else. Um, it is something that you and this other person share, uh, come together, you know, Jesus said, as one. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing because it builds, the, it, it's the physical visual of the emotional exclusionary decision to be and commit and love this person. And I think that's, a, and, you know, aside from the, you know, they're heady, it's also really fun. And it's a fun, good, beautiful thing that is meant to be shared between two people who love each other. That being said, it's a communal thing, right? It's a communal uh, not, not their whole community, but it's a community. <laughs> but it, it's it's something that you share and with someone else. It's not meant to just be done as this. Um, we're not talking about masturbation, but I think ultimately the the fulfillment of sex is is something you share with someone um, mm-hmm. in inside this relationship. That's why God compares his relationship to the church as husband and wife. That's a beautiful thing, and he's actually using sexual imagery to compare his love for the church. And, and that's an interesting place to walk with this. But all that to say is what I feel unfortunately that porn does is it takes away that aspect of this is something that comes out of the beauty of a loving relationship. And it makes it all about, like you said, Kat, it makes it all about me. What do mm-hmm. I want? What are my specific things? But I also think there's something here to pay attention to. Joseph, you talk about a book a lot. I can't remember what it's called, um, but you'll bring it up. But it's about the things that we are drawn to and that we find even specifically in porn, the particular um, uh, uh, fetishes or desires or weird things we get into are often as a result of our trauma and the things that we are trying to fix in our world, the things we are trying to make right. Um, So so one, you're not just a messed up person. You are actually someone who's trying to make right your mind, but porn's not the way to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that it is, it, it tells us something about ourselves, what we want um, because like, like you talked about Augustine saying that there is nothing wrong. There's only disordered desires. Yes. I think desire is beautiful and good. And I think for us to find fulfillment and wholeness, even in sexuality, or especially in sexuality, rather, it's going to come through doing the interior work of what am I really looking for and how am I going about finding that? And I think that very often both young men and women and yeah, 
old men, everybody goes, goes to porn looking to find something that they haven't had and yeah. that they're looking to fulfill in their lives. And ultimately, I think it, what I have seen both in my life and other people's lives is that it leaves you more empty and more hungry for the thing you actually want. And I think at the bottom of that is actually true connection, true intimacy, and to be fully loved at your most vulnerable state and to have someone love you and to love someone else at their most vulnerable state and to share that within the context of um, commitment and love and unconditional love. Does all, does all that word salad make sense? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I, mm-hmm. I think I want to touch on those before I send it back to Kat. You know, one of the things I think is really, really interesting to point out is that there is something about, um, well, so the, Dr. Tim Keller has talked about uh, counseling people who are having married couples who are having you know trouble in their sex lives. And one of the things he's told them is that for says, okay, for the next like, you know, month, only worry about satisfying the other person sexually. Mm. Don't worry about, you know, satisfying yourself sexually. And at first they would say, okay, we'll try it. The first bit is like, this is really weird. <laughs> this, uh. this is really weird. And I, I don't know what to think about it. This is, and after that later, they said, wow, we've actually never enjoyed sex more. We've mm. never been more intimate as a couple. And I think that one of the things that that's interesting about this is that it is, if, if you want to say that maybe there's something intrinsically problematic about the consumption of porn, as well as I think we've done a good job of talking about just the, the making of it is 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 bad for, for at least most people, if not all of them, who are engaged in it. But is that there really is no way to consume porn without turning sex into something that is being made to satisfy you. So it's something, it's not a giving it's act. It's not a giving you. act, it's a receiving act. Mm. And I think that the, I think that that's- Or a, taking. Or taking act, yes. Like other people, well, even other people are doing this act not for each other, but for me. Interesting. And, and, uh, and it's, I think that that's an interesting direction to go in. I also think it is interesting. You guys have made the points about the addictive aspect of it, which funnily enough, our, um, one of our, our overthinkers on Facebook, he talked about this. He's like, uh, Keen Gillivan. You talk about one of the main dangers of porn is not only that it objectifies women, but it's also addictive. Once you start consuming it, it's an uphill climb to even stop. Even if you break out of it, there's a certain degree of mental trauma. And I think one of the things, and this is me talking now, I think one of the things about this is funny is that the, the work that oftentimes these people who are doing these studies do or reciting these studies do say, well, we don't actually know if the reason that people uh, that people are getting addicted to porn, the reason that they have such mm. small dopamine centers is because they're getting addicted to porn. When, you know, us talking about this, we all know how addiction works. Yeah. Like we all know that when you get a high, <laughs> that you want to go back to it. And so it's like, you know, it's like, yes. So, so it really is just knowing what porn is, knows that there is that addictive element to it. And I think that um, you guys have done a good job of talking about it, the, the, if, if there is something intrinsically problematic about porn, it, one of the things about it is that the way it's set up is to, orienting the heart towards I am the sole benefits to satisfy. But I also think, Kat, you make an interesting point about, okay, maybe a version of this is like, what, what would be the redemptive aspects of porn that's maybe we wouldn't define it as porn anymore, but mm. getting to use artistic expression, find artistic ways to express our sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. as a, and maybe it has to be in the confines of marriage. Like a photographer takes it, it's for the husband and wife. Maybe it's still those things. Which is a beautiful thing, I think. Well, I think, yeah. It's like, but maybe that's again, and you talked about a redemptive. Yes. It's like, okay, maybe it's artistic ways of sharing 
sexuality. You talked also about the educational aspect. I think the book that you're talking about that I often refer to is the book A Billion Wicked Thoughts. Yes. Which is somebody actually did data collection on human sexuality through looking at people's porn searches because it said, okay, mm. people are, and you found out about a lot about human sexuality in ways people wouldn't lie because you're just looking at what they're searching for in porn searches. Mm. And I think you brought Kat, one of the big reasons that people are exploring porn is because we're not being educated in what sexuality mm -hmm. is actually like. It's like, you know, in, in, in a healthier environment, people could tell each other about sex positions. You yeah. know, that could be helpful. But we're so repressed in we're America. So, we can't yeah. talk about, you know, parents won't talk about this for the kids. Well, in churches or churches won't talk about it. So I think that that would be saying, okay, what's redemptive here that people are looking for? They're looking to explore their sexuality. Like, you know, again, when I was a kid, you know, it's like, again, I, I I would read really tame comic books, but I would say like, okay, like here's, oh, these are fig male, female figures. Like I'm, this is a way of exploring some of these ideas. And so I think that that is, that's what to look for. What are some redemptive ways that we can help people to explore their sexuality and their sexual desires in a healthy way to not go to the unhealthy places? Okay, so I did. Now, Nathan did a word salad. I did a word salad. <laughs> so your turn, Kat. What's a, what's a oh word salad? Wrap us Wrap, up. Exactly. Wrap just, this episode up with some Make really us all sound smart. Yeah. I love all these salads, these word salads. <laughs> well, literally, as you were talking, I was taking notes because I was like, oh my gosh, both of you guys shared such powerful things. And to your point of sex education and the book that you mentioned about, what was the book called? That um, A Billion Wicked Thoughts. A Billion Wicked Thoughts. So here's here's what I have learned in the past few years, in, my, in the past seven years of my research on like sex, sexuality, what does the Bible say? All that stuff is, first of all, like whenever porn and masturbation is talked about in the church, it's almost always like guys, listen up, yeah. <laughs> guys, we have yeah. something for you. Um, but you're women, terrible and gross, <laughs> you're terrible yeah. and gross and disgusting and you're an animal and you can't control yourself. So women, it's all on you to yeah. cover your body sure. set. <laughs> um, but what I have found is I have, I started hosting sex ed workshops in the last year with, um, a Christian PhD sexologist named Dr. Celeste Holbrook. She's incredible. Hmm. And we have hosted a series of sex ed workshops and we have people send in anonymous questions and you know what's your relationship with porn why do you watch it why not and 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 i and secular i hate using that word um but mainstream research would show this as well as the primary reason that women watch porn is less about pleasure and more about education to your mm. point and so, you know, we're on this call and these, I'm on a call with all these women who like really love God and like want to stay true to their values. And they're like, I don't know what a penis looks like. Wow. Okay. And they're like, I've literally never seen one. Mm. And I literally don't even know what my own anatomy is called. Mm. And so like, can you show me? And so like, I have my sexologist with literally a blow out on a zoom call. Like this is what a penis is like this mm. is what a clitoris is and all these women are like oh my gosh like i feel like the only real place to actually look for this stuff is pornography because no one's talking about this stuff no and then girls are like i don't know you know my husband i've been married for six years and i love my husband and i want to have a good sex life but i've always been taught like all pleasure is bad and self-pleasure is bad and one of the women was like my husband and he's like a pastor it was like please babe like go masturbate and like figure out like i want to please you but i can't please you if you don't know what you like mm -hmm. and so 
we're getting questions on these sex ed workshops from women who are super committed to their faith, really love God, and don't want to watch porn because of the aforementioned like problematic things that you guys are talking about. But they're like, how do I give a blowjob? Like, mm-hmm. how do I give a hand job? Like, how do like what does oral sex look like? Like, I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know what I'm doing, and I would love some pointers. And so, to your point of like why are people going this avenue? It's because there's no alternative. And so in the church, we do a great job at shaming people into submission. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why are we talking about porn all the time? It's because, well, pretty much like most people in there are watching it are secretly addicted to it. And it's like, you can't really talk about it or else you're going to be like given the scarlet letter. And the reality is like, first of all, like sin is sin is sin is sin. And like, we have to like normalize like we're in a culture that worships sex and to the very one of the very beginning things that i think you said nathan is like how kind of i put it is like culture and church both worship sex we have two sides of the same coin just with different pr Mm. like Hmm. the church is gonna like demonize sexuality don't think about sex don't talk about sex don't think about thinking about having sex so it's like the whole like don't think about a purple hippopotamus like what's the only thing you're gonna think about you know, versus yeah. like cultures, like sex sells, do it feels good. Both are teaching that like sex is like everything. One is just like, don't look there, you know? So we <laughs> yeah. have to have an alternative. Like we have to find creative ways to talk with each other, normalize conversations mm. about sex, normalize. I don't know how to do this or that mm-hmm. position hurts. And I want to try something new, but I feel ashamed because no one's talking about this. Like if there's anything I've learned in my seven years of research is like, at least women are like dying for the permission to ask these questions, but mm. they're shamed for even thinking it. So I'm like, First of all, like sexual desire is the most normal thing in the world. Like we have to normalize it. God created it. God created pleasure. I mean, all you have to do is read Song of Solomon in the Old Testament to know that like God is for our pleasure, that like Mm. sex is about way more than procreation. Dear Lord, thank you for the physical intimacy we are about to enjoy. And as always, have fun watching. Go lovemaking! So I feel like there's that whole aspect of it. Like, what are we replacing this with? If we're going to like demonize pornography for very valid reasons, you can't just like have a vacuum. You have to replace it with something. So what are we replacing it with? And as Christians, like we unfortunately have like male dominated churches with men who probably are also addicted to porn and not very good at sex, Mm -hmm. trying to educate their congregations. Why aren't we bringing in sexologists? Yeah, Why and that's something bringing in people who actually know how to do things to have conversations with people. Yes. No, I, mean, I was just going to add that we you know we didn't say this, but pornography rates uh, viewership anyway, remain about as consistent in the church as they do yeah. out of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think I can't I'm going to get this wrong a little bit, but I don't think I'm that far off. It's something like 50 percent of pastors have looked at pornography in the past month so this mm-hmm. isn't something that's just like the, it's affecting the dirty world out there you know mm-hmm. secular people and the liberals this is something that is is in us because we all have a sex drive but the church is failing to talk about it mm-hmm. in a way that celebrates it's like you said a beautiful thing sure. that god has created but we do need to figure out and until we do we're never none of us are really ever going to know how do we use this and yeah that's fantastic that's great yeah. and by the way yeah. anyone out there it sounds like um and i've seen her beautiful photos uh 
call her. You want a beautiful photo shoot? You can do, do it. That's that's awesome. That's really cool. She's here in New York. Make it a trip. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh. Yeah. And then I had, can I just say one more tangent mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. porn? Sure. Because I feel like this is fine. You know, if you yeah. have to. Yeah, just one more thing. <laughs> just one more thing. Really I actually it's think yeah. it's going to sound like really bad news at first, but I actually think it's really good news is first of all, I think like God, the way God created our bodies and our brains are so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like God created our brains to basically keep us alive. And so one of the ways that our brains keeps us alive is through constantly finding patterns to mm-hmm. then short circuit. So basically mm-hmm. it's like, it's almost like, you know, you want to, our brains are trying to figure out how to allow us to go through our days quicker, more efficiently, more productively, and in a safe way. And so how that works with pleasure is like when you experience pleasure with something and you're like, Ooh, that, that dopamine, you get that dopamine hit. That feels good. It's like the uh, gold star. We get the oxytocin hormone release, Mm -hmm. which is that feel good hormone that's released when we hug or when a mother is breastfeeding her baby, it bonds you with another human. And so all of that's being released in pleasure. And when our body experiences that reward center, the reward center is saying, we like this, do more of this. How can we Mm -hmm. get more of this? And so we actually teach our brains, which then inform our bodies on how we experience and achieve pleasure. Mm. So when we go to pornography, the more we go to pornography, the more our body short circuits, Ooh, like this is how we get turned on. This is how we climax. This is how we orgasm. And then pretty soon or not pretty soon, but after even years of pornography use, even looking at it at your laptop or opening the app on your phone causes that arousal. Right. Mm. Because you've taught your body. This is what turns us on. This is how we do that. And so it's why so many people can actually even be in like fulfilling, loving marriages or partnerships with people that they really, really love and be unable to become aroused or perform sexually because they've created a pattern in their lives where this is how we experience pleasure. Damn you, bad love. And so to me, that is like, whoa, first of all, our bodies are incredible. Like they're, they're just yeah. always on the evidence hunt to create a pattern so that we don't have to think about it, which is why pornography can be so damaging, obviously. Yeah. However, on the flip side of that, if I'm going to my partner or my spouse mm-hmm. for pleasure, yes. this is great. You know, we think that monogamy is the death of good sex. And then we have, you know, secular psychiatrist, psychologist like Esther Perel, who says in her book, Mating in Captivity, which is all about monogamy, she says, you know, marriage isn't the death of, you know, adventurous intimacy. It's the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so actually, when we experience pleasure with someone repeatedly or over a span of time, our bodies begin to crave that person. Even a simple look from that person can be arousing. So actually the long-term committed monogamous relationship can be the doorway to the best sex of your life. Wow. If you allow it to be. This is great. And what's what's that book? What's the title of that book again? Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. So basically and, and we'll wrap up here, but I absolutely love that. What you're saying is our bodies are made to want and desire and orient around this. So it's not just stop looking at porn. It's saying, 
where can I orient my desire and pleasure mm-hmm. around that's beautiful and fulfilling? I absolutely love that cat. And that's a perfect place to move into our favorite section. My <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun talking about this stuff, but I just want to talk about movies. Um, <laughs> but we're going to Blesses and Curses, where we bless or curse a book, movie, piece of art around this subject. And um, uh, Kat, we allow our guests to either go first or if they just want us to go first to give them an example of how to do it, uh, they can go last. Would you like to go first or last? I want to go last today. Okay, cool. <laughs> Why don't you get started? Okay. Because well, I know you have yours really well. well best for first. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple blesses and curses. <laughs> I'm going to bless. I, I watched a documentary last night in, prepare, uh, in preparation for this because I've been meaning to watch it for a while. I'm going to lightheartedly bless a, a documentary called The Heart of Man put out a while ago. Um, and the reason I'm going to bless this is because it shows me that Christians are able to evolve into being able to talk about sexuality better. Basically, The Heart of Man is kind of a documentary. It interviews a lot of different um, men and women. Um, it's mostly oriented towards men, obviously, in the title, uh, Heart of Man. And it talks about sexual brokenness um, and really the orientation towards sexual um, wholeness and, and goodness and what really lays at the heart um, of us. You know, it, it gets very... It gets difficult, but it's also beautifully shot. Just one aesthetically is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's a docu drama where they have you kind of follow this visual parable of a um, you know a man who's searching for and it's just the way it shot it. I think it's in Iceland or something. Just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so it really adds to the weight of what they're saying. But it was one of the first things in a long time that I've seen where Christians are able to talk about sexuality in a way that wasn't just immediate, uh, immediately shameful. And it addresses a lot of these people just told their stories and they, you know, they're talking about having eight, you know, affairs on their wife. And rather than just saying, look how bad this guy is, he shouldn't have ever looked at porn. He shouldn't do these things. Obviously, he shouldn't have done those things. But it talked about the reasons why. And he talked about his abuse um, early on and how that set him on this path of looking um, for wholeness Uh, that set him on a path of um, looking for um, uh, acceptance. And so while, yes, what he did was quote unquote bad it also gave this context to why humans act the way we do and i thought it was really a a huge growth moment for uh christian films at the very least um that they were able to handle this issue um without just immediately jumping to shame and actually brought some context to why people do what they do and i think that's such an important way to have this conversation not just the conversation but how we have this conversation and it was just really aesthetically beautiful and it has a great um a psychologist who kind of um, added insight throughout the film, who I really, really love, uh, Dan Allender. Um, and, and he's just really good. So check it out. It's interesting. It wasn't, you know, obviously there's going to be imperfections or things here or there, but I really enjoyed it overall. I'm going to bless, and this is going to be apparently controversial. <laughs> um, I'm blessing the book Redeeming Love. Um, and <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I did say book. Uh, see, <laughs> yes. see, yeah, well, 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 don't worry. You'll, you'll get your uh, comeuppance on me. The, I'll tell you the reasons why I'm blessing this book is because this is one of the first times I know it has some problematic things. I know it's not perfect, but it was one of the first times I read within Christian literature, a positive and beautiful, like desiring of sexuality. That it's mm. not just a shameful, bad thing you should try to you know suppress. It was, no, this is something that we were made to want and it can be a beautiful thing when experienced um, between two loving people. Now, 
Now, again, I've only read it once a few years ago, so I'm putting that caveat on it. <laughs> and I enjoyed Yay. it sometimes. <laughs> so don't worry, Kat, you can tell me how wrong I am. Um, but not until I give him my curses, which are, this is going to make some people angry, but I, don't, I doubt many of our fans will be angry. <laughs> but um, I'm going to curse the movie Fireproof by the Kendrick <laughs> Brothers, starring Kirk yes. Cameron. Um, I'm cursing this. This may be the third time you've cursed that on the show. <laughs> yeah, I've cursed this a lot. I'm sorry, Kendrick Brothers. We'll have you on. You can defend yourselves. Um, but listen, this movie tries to talk about, you know, it's about a marriage. It's falling apart. And it's basically, it's all the man's fault because he's selfish. And really, it's because he's looking at porn. The crazy thing is, the movie can't even bring itself to say the word porn. And, and I'm kidding, you, know, you can see a vi- you can see the video of Kevin McCreary, a, a friend of the show um, who does this and he laughs the entire way through because anytime they talk, they'll say, you look at that garbage on your screen. You look at that and they can't even say the word, which is just so indicative of how the church is. It's shameful. It's, it's we can't even really bring ourselves to talk about this in any way. And if you do, you can't even really talk about it. Like you can't even say the word porn. And it's just such a childish, um, unnuanced, simplistic way to look at this issue. And there's a scene where he, where he decides to, I kid you not, he decides to uh, be a better man and quit looking at porn and go and rescue his wife, who's you know, who and, and save his marriage. And the 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 scene that tells us that he's doing this is when he takes his computer and he puts it outside and grabs a baseball bat and hits the computer over and over again. And it's just so utterly ridiculous. Um, I'm sorry, I, so I got to curse it. And I'm also going to curse. A documentary that my wife and I tried to watch a uh, while yes. ago. I think it's called Skin or something. Um, and it was supposed to be, we were hoping, an, you know, kind of an interesting, nuanced look at nudity and films and sexuality and how do you portray it without objectifying all this. And what it turned out to be was just a bunch of nerds going through their favorite nude scenes since the 50s. <laughs> um, so there is no nuance. It's just a bunch of nerds getting together and sweatily talking about all their favorite actresses <laughs> who took off their clothes on TV. So I highly curse this. Um, so, <laughs> so that was, I'm sorry, but yeah. So those are my curses. So our, I, so just first I'll say, Kat, do you want to respond to Nathan's uh, a blessing of, of redeeming love here? Or is it you going to put that as one of your curses? I mean, I, permission to approach the... So, okay, here's the deal. Here's a few reasons why I do like Francine Rivers, Redeeming Love. I read it like 10 times. I like bought it uh, like 20 copies uh, from Mardell's and Christian, like Lifeway Christian books in high school nice. and college would like <laughs> give it out like it was the Bible. Okay. Um, yeah. I, it's a close what, second. Close second to the Bible. And what I didn't know at the time that I appreciated about it is like, I one of my friends, uh, Christina on Instagram, her Instagram's like DTR. Oh my gosh, why don't I know her Instagram handle? Um, oh, I actually know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Like she makes fun of like Christian dating or whatever. Yes, and yes. she was like, listen, y'all, redeeming love is like Christian's 50 shades of gray. And it's, <laughs> it's totally so true. true. It's so true. It's totally true. Like there's definitely steamy stuff in there. Like I remember reading that and definitely feeling turned on like in high school. Yeah, college. Oh my. yeah. You know, you're like, oh, his like broad shoulders and his muscles. Broad okay. shoulders. <laughs> um, hey there. Um, so so I feel like that, like normalizing sexuality, thank you, Francine Rivers, for doing that. Here's some problematic things about it. Here's the thing is I know it is like a 
a metaphor for like God and the church, like Hosea in the Old Testament. However, like in the book and in the movie, like, first of all, like he's not respecting her no, like ever. <laughs> like interesting. He, like okay. he is so it's like he's not respecting consent. And also like he it's like it just like further pushes this agenda that like every rom-com has ever that like women need to be rescued Mm, like his love is gonna heal her like she's nothing without him like Uh, her access point for redemption is like the male gaze and like the and and what francine rivers is doing is like well this is the healthy male gaze but still it's like let me rescue you let me save you and i think what happens so much in Christian Christian culture is like men want Bambies with broken legs. Mm. And I think in culture at large too, like, like uh, stand-up comedian, Elijah Schlesinger talks about this. She's like, I'm a strong woman. I'm single. Like I'm confident. And like a guy at a bar, if he's going to approach two women and one of the women looks like a scared little puppy with like a broken ankle versus like a woman who's like, I own my own house and I don't have daddy issues. Like he's going to approach the woman that has problems because he wants to feel like he can fix her because it does something for his ego. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you're basically saying it's good to show stories where women become whole or people become whole without needing a man to be the conduit to that. Yeah. Or can we also have like a love story where like a man is like, man, that girl is such a feminist and like strong and independent. No, and like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, where's that? Cause I feel like, you know, I'm 36, I'm single, I am opinionated. I have a loud voice and I'm mm. like, I feel very misrepresented. Like I don't have a broken ankle. Like I'm like, I'm looking for an equal. I'm looking for a partner. Mm. I'm looking for okay. someone to do life with. Like I don't need to be fixed, saved or rescued. Like well, Jesus I will did say that this. <laughs> I will say those are fair, and I will now take them into consideration <laughs> before I bless it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so so this is this is a very this is a very um uh that's really good. I will say um you are I I this is you are I should say you're probably rightly then a fan of of uh, of one of the one of the greatest rom coms of all time. Um oh I'm forgetting you got mail, which is all about. <laughs> You know, strong feminist woman totally, and, and man totally. you know, getting together. It's like this. Nora Ephron does a good job of doing doing that. Yeah. Um, I, so so interesting. Here's here, okay, cool. Let's hear your blessings. So I'm going to do blessings. I'm going to try to keep them short because I have a tendency to get long winded. Um, I'm going to ju- partly just for the fun of it, and partly just because I have had very difficult time finding really good blessings on this topic. I'm going to re up. Nathan's blessed Whoa, for oh. <laughs> You can't do that to our guests. <laughs> no, oh my gosh. I'm going to give her a chance. Two to- men promoting yeah. redeeming. I know. Wow. I can't yeah. believe it. Yes, exactly. I'm surrounded by idiots. No, well, so like, and I, I'll say that I, I, that, I think in addition to, I will, I will start by saying some of the things, the problematic elements that additionally to that, you know, I mean, just, you know, encouraging the idea of when a man hears God's voice saying uh, to, <laughs> you need to, the, God's told me that you oh, need yeah. to marry him, it's a deeply problematic thing. And I'll also say that- it's totally. That's how I got my wife. <laughs> cool. I have some questions. Well, <laughs> we're not, we're not, ta- we're going to talk about your problems. God today. told me to <laughs> tell her. <laughs> yeah. I'll also say that, you know, again, as a guy, I have learned in, in very, you know, I've learned through bad experience that putting yourself in tempting situations in order to win the girl is not a good idea. 
Mm. You know, and that mm. that that uh, that is a very bad advice to give men. That uh, to that um, thinking that you can help someone in a play, putting yourself in a position where you're going to be tempted in order to help someone is very bad advice. Also, I will agree, we can't save people. Yes, you mean, mm. yeah. Um, and that, yes, and so I think that that's there's a lot of those. I think it's interesting because you, you think you make an interesting point of the 50, the 50 Christian Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, very much this is modeled on the, you know, um, women's romance novels, women's erotica, uh, which is, you know, okay, we're going to have a guy who's richer than me, more powerful than me, who's going to come and mm-hmm. he's going to, and he can save me and I, he can save me with his wealth and resources and power and I can save him by helping him to talk about his feelings, you know, which is sort of the, right. the, the Harlequin romance in, in erotica and romance novels. And mm-hmm. I think, and, and and there's a woman writer, Francine Rivers, who's trying to Tell, tell a story that integrates her sexual desires and her sexual, you know, understanding romance and desire for romance with her, um, you know, r- with her belief in God. And one of the things I think that I, the reason I do ultimately, I do ultimately bless it is because it is something that is trying to figure out how do we integrate those things? Because again, I yeah. live in faith, even women's romance novels, you know, are going after something. They're going after an experience of, uh, desire for uh, for love and and a way of that love looks and desire for a way that love should look and desire for what a man should look like and what a desire for a relationship would look like. I don't think it is entirely toxic, and I think that it's not entirely culturally based. And I think that the fact that there's a writer as a Christian who is trying to integrate those things and it was one of the things as a growing up I thought oh the male gaze is entirely toxic. Because again, mm. growing up in church, I'm taught that the male gaze is entirely toxic. And of course, women have to be made responsible for it. But mm-hmm. the male gaze and male sexuality is something to be toxic and ashamed of. And she's trying to say, okay, it's not intrinsically toxic and ashamed of. Here's how you balance it with your faith in God and obedience to God and things like that. And I think I want more Christian writers to attempt to, even badly, try to integrate those things in the imaginations. And I think the more they try, the Beauty more- sexuality, and sexuality, intimacy, yeah. sexuality, intimacy, faith, and even heroism in a dark world. I want more people to do what Francie Rivers tried to do. Even if she did problematically, that's the only way that we're going to actually figure out a way to do it well and healthily is, is trying to do that. Now, on the flip side to that, I'm going to curse the movie Redeeming Love. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because any, all of the things about it that are problematic, are there. By the way, I'm going to jump in here. You can go read Joseph's full review at Religion Unplugged. It is now a viral article that is causing a lot of people to yell at each other. Um, <laughs> so go check out his review on Religion Unplugged of Redeeming Love. If you want a more full a full explanation of why I'm cursing up, basically it's all the toxic elements of it without the honesty of trying to grapple with these issues. It's really attempting to appeal to the most toxic sides of the Christian market, romance market, without actually the honest grappling with those issues of it. So mm. those would be my my bless and curse of it. And um, thank you for for uh, enduring two blesses <laughs> yeah. of, of the extremely problematic. Uh, two men. <laughs> yes. Two, yeah. two white men. White straight. Bless. Cisgender, <laughs> white cisgender, yes. cisgender men. The privilege yeah. is steeped in oh this Oh my gosh, yeah. so um, steep. Cat. God only knows why he cursed me to be a straight white man. So yes, your <laughs> blessings and curses. Okay, before making this into a TED Talk on redeeming love, <laughs> um, I'm just going to go straight into 
and you know, I, I bless the, I, the someone taking a shot at mm. trying to have mm. like a redemptive view at like Harlequin novels. I bless that. <laughs> bless that. <laughs> um, so I would say I'm going to start with my curse. My mm. curse goes to, and oh, I have been like, I don't know if I like that word. Um, a lot but, of people don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, I don't want to, I, cause I don't want to curse this person, but man, real, he really blew it. Um, this week on Twitter. Ah, Brian, yes. Oh, Brian <laughs> Suave. Brian Suave. I don't even know if I'm saying his. Is he a pastor? I don't even know who he is. Yeah. It sounds like he's a pastor, um, Christian pastor. And this was his tweet that has now Curse gone the tweet viral. The course, here's the tweet. It says, dear ladies, there is no reason whatsoever for you. Oh, shoot. It cut off. Hold on. Sorry. Let me just. Okay, there we go. Okay. Dear ladies, there is no reason whatsoever for you to post pictures of yourself in low cut shirts, bikinis, bra and underwear or anything similar ever. And he goes on to say not to show your weight loss journey, not to show your newborn oh baby, gosh. not to document your birth story. Oh. Your like, ec- like, love your brothers. And the women for the woman's form is evil. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh man, clearly this guy is addicted to porn. I mean, and so basically it this tweet went viral and all the responses to it are like really incredible. Uh, or like, you know, like the people are like, dear ladies, not all pastors are like Pastor Brian, you know. Like oh, all these like people are interacting with it. And I think like it just is the epitome of like the primarily white male evangelical response to women pawning his whatever his struggle with lust is on an entire gender instead of saying like hey men how can we look at women and interact with women in a way that's honoring there's zero responsibility there's zero accountability he is blame shifting and using spiritual manipulation to manipulate an entire gender into submission and well, i'm like they have this? to be responsible for his problems yeah yeah and also dude hey brian hi your social media algorithm is in yeah. response to what you look at bro so like you're That's getting well, that was my media i was like feed? turn off instagram if you have a problem this is no one else's problem but yours yeah yep and also i always thought it was so weird like i'm like if a past if you if you as a man are so weak if Mm. you are so weak in your integrity if your integrity is so thin that you can't look me in the eye or give me a hug or say i look nice in an outfit without it being sexualized Mm. then you probably need to go to rehab or some sort of recovery like if, if that is how weak you are and your integrity like i have i'm i'm concerned about you but I'm it's a personal thing heart. they need to work on, right. not something the entire world needs to orient for them. Right, right. So it just is so, it's such a picture of, mm. of I think, like evangelical culture and how, you know, I could go on and on about this, but like how this is what happens when there's one gender's conversation in the church around sexuality. Mm. And the primary conversation has been dominated by the male gaze and by the male struggle and by male lust. And like, we have a system that protects the per- the man in power, the person in power, this pastor, Brian, who is in power, 
his structure of the church is protecting him and then hurting the vulnerable, which the vulnerable would be the women in this case. Um, and I just feel like in that sense, I'm like, man, we have a, we have a blueprint and framework of the church in America that is broken. And, and we keep wondering, we keep wondering why pastor after pastor keeps being exposed for sexual infidelity or moral failures. And I'm like, it's because we are doing the same thing, same blueprint over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's the insanity cycle. Um, so, so you're you're, cur- you're not cursing him, but you are pretty vehemently cursing his tweet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And the behavior. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say my blessing in response to the conversation that we've had today, uh, Sheila Guaguar put out a book last year called The Great Sex Rescue. Oh. And she, her and her team have done the most comprehensive <laughs> study on Christian women and their sexual experiences, over 20,000 women. In fact, there's Ivy League colleges that are taking on their study and implementing it into their R&D because they, they follow, they like crossed every T and dotted every I. And they also did, they did a huge in-depth study on the top 14 Christian books, like top bestsellers that talk about Christian marriage and sex Mm. and basically just talk about so much of a lot of what we've been talking about, how like the conversation around sex in the church has primarily and porn has revolved around the male experience Mm. and how do we actually like have a nuanced conversation about sex that is like inclusive of both the male and female experience, what really is God honoring sex and how do we normalize some of these conversations? So it was one of the best books I read last year, The Great Sex Rescue by Sheila Gregoire. I will bless that. And that's the end. That's awesome. (laughs) And real quick, before we head out, if people want to engage with your podcast, what you're doing, even ask for photos or read your book, give us the places they can get in touch with you and find all the things that you're doing. For sure. So my book is also, thanks for asking. Um, My book is Sexless in the City. You can buy that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you buy books. And I have a weekly podcast called The Refined Collective. And my Instagram and website is The Refined Woman. Come hang out, come chat, hit me up on the DMs. I love chatting. I have a a incredible Patreon community. You can find at patreon.com slash the refined collective. And we do all sorts of fun stuff there to create community and have meaningful conversations like this. That's awesome. And guys, if you want to connect more with us, go to the overthinkersjournal.com, hit up our private Facebook page, The Overthinkers, and don't forget to check out the Oscars party we're going to be having right here in New York City. If you want to get in touch with me, my name is Nathan Clarkson, and you can just search my name on any of the socials or go to nathanclarkson.me. Joseph? find me on all the socials all facebook twitter instagram also you can find you write a lot of books about me, a lot of articles for religion unplugged you can find my work there and thank you very much everyone for joining thank you very much for joining cat and remember if it's worth thinking about it's worth overthinking about mm-hmm.